Now, for the benefit of the producer, can you tell me your name, rank, and serial number, please? <laughs> Fabio Morisalki, uh, rank professor or black belt, however it is that uh, they go by. Serial number is just awesome. Yeah, 007, awesome. Hi, this is Mick Tully, and you're listening to Mixed Martial Arts. Fabio, thanks so much for coming on to the show. We met last year for the first time, but I'd heard about you from our mutual friend, Mike Duffy, for years beforehand, because he used to tell me about working out with you and training, and you were on my hit list of guys that I needed to train with, and you hadn't got your black belt last year. You were still a brown belt, was that Correct. right? Correct. Uh, you came in uh, right off the plane and said, let's roll, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, we kind of took it to you a little bit uh, unintentionally, but... Uh, yeah, good game and had fun that night. So it was great to meet you then. No, no, it was great. It was. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. First of all, there's you had a couple of monsters who were training. We've got to give a shout out to Big Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe's. Joe, I'll tell you something. For a big guy, that guy's got a technical game, man. But yeah, I got off the plane and uh, it was. Uh, you want to roll? And I was like, yeah, why not? So you are a self-avowed mat rat, right? You've said this to me before. There's so much of martial arts that I love. I mean, I love the, you know, the JKD, the Kali, the Muay Thai, all that stuff. And, you know, uh, I tried doing some capoeira, all that sort of thing. And the movement is beautiful in all those arts. However, I've pretty much given them all up at the time being for jiu-jitsu and the grappling. It's just what makes sense in my life as far as martial arts goes. That's quite that's quite an interesting way of looking at it because especially in America, there is a big reliance on this has to work sort of mentality. Whereas you're, like, first of all, I think you're a really cool guy. Secondly, the fact that you like jujitsu and you like you like manga is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, we, but we are we are both nerds. So it's not a means to an end then for you, is it, martial arts? No, I mean it's you know. Um, I try and avoid the people that go, I want to learn this to kick somebody's ass, that sort of thing. It's My goal in life to, is to hopefully make somebody better. Um, you know, if I can if I can do that, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I, I enjoy pushing myself, testing myself, uh, you know, but if I can see somebody improving or doing giving them something that makes them just a little bit better or has made their day or... You know, they get acknowledged in some way where, you know, that for me is better than my self-improvement. You hear so many people say it, they, they'll come out with stuff like, you know, be the change you want to see in the world and stuff, but then they don't do it. And, you know, I know you do it. I try to do it. So where did you start your jiu-jitsu? Um, I started with judo way back in the day in Oregon with uh, Al Radis and Coach Scott McQuarrie uh, way back. I did other martial arts before that. I was lucky enough that it, Oregon Judo Jiu-Jitsu, uh, they had changed their name after that, but uh, they had done a lot more groundwork than other places. Right. And so then due to some injuries, things like that, took time off, then came back. And then a uh, shout-out to Coach Dave Minden, uh, I mean, at the time, back in the 90s, there was no jiu-jitsu in Oregon. We were going off the Gracie tapes where they were saying, <laughs> now you move your buttocks over here and your leg over here. And they repeated that like a hundred times, but that's all we had in Oregon at the time. Uh, so it was a shot to him that, uh, you know, getting me into the ground game more so than anything else. And then that's where it took off after that. If we're going to talk about Oregon, talk about martial arts, talk about grappling, that's where the first straight blast gym was, right? In Salem, Oregon. Matt Thornton. I, I thought Matt. I thought Matt started. I don't know if he started in Salem. I, I know he. Had, that was one of the places. Um, I started with him back in. Um, 
it, it was in Portland yeah, when he, I started he, yeah. with him. And then he branched out to Beaverton and all this and, you know, grew grew the whole straight blast thing. And I got to give him credit, um, along with a lot of the guys from there, Tom Overhue, Mike Chapman, a lot of the old school guys that pretty much just beat the shit out of me. I did martial arts for years before that, but it wasn't until I actually trained with Matt that I understood how to, I don't want to say take a beating, but understand the physical impact of fighting and the stuff that I do. You know, here, point, yeah, okay, you smack somebody and then, hey, there you go, there's points. So yeah. the difference between a lot of sport and a lot of fight. And was it was this in the stand-up or was it in the grappling arts? It was all of it, yeah. Sticks and stand-up. <laughs> yeah, I got beat down in, in the ring from Matt. Uh, he was trying to correct me on something. Uh, and he just beat me corner to corner until I go, okay, I got to keep my hands up. Uh, if you don't know who Matt Thornton is, and shame on you because the guy's uh, he's a polarizing individual for a start for a lot of people. He's unique. He is unique, <laughs> he, but he's also, I don't agree with some of his like summation on, on certain martial arts. You know, the aliveness stuff, uh, I get to a degree, but if you train anywhere with any good people, you'll do a live aliveness training. Mm -hmm. You know, because it'll be as near as it can be effective mm -hmm. without being dangerous. You know, if it's, if it's a dangerous art, you don't do it because there's no longevity. Yeah, I think one of the points that he is trying to get to on there is there's so much static movement when you're drilling. You hit the focus mitts, you're in one spot, and you do that for rounds and rounds. So a lot of for my takeaway on it was as soon as you start learning how to move the mitts, I mean, you're moving like you, uh, you know, you're basically feeding like a fighter would, you know, so you're stepping forward, moving and setting yeah. up an actual feel of how someone would move. So it's not just a sit in one place, hit the pads, sit in one place, hit the pads. It's great for exercise, but getting that live feel of somebody, yeah. uh, whether it's in jujitsu, whether it's in stand-up fighting, gets that person more used to it quickly than would just that whole static in one position without moving. Well, you see, this is this is again, it's something that I actually really like. Which there's this point where it changes from being a recreational pursuit mm -hmm. to whether or not people want to know if it works or not. And I think the point that he addressed was smart. But I just don't think he actually explained the parameters of what his explanation. I don't know if that makes sense, mm -hmm. but I just didn't think it was... I didn't think the way he put it over... And he's a smarter guy than me, I Oh, think. yeah. Well, especially in the 90s, I don't... Th I, I, I've read some of his stuff more recently. He wasn't the most talkative of fellows back in the days. Yeah. You know, once he really started to get that and speak, then it started to make more sense. But when you first meet him, he's kind of a large, imposing well, well, how guy and kind of quiet. Guys, how it's tall like, is he? Oh, guy's 6'7". He's a big yeah. man. So uh, a lot of times it's more sh trying to get that concept into you by showing than it was, you know, a, a, a long explanation. Sometimes that works, sometimes shit hurt. Sometimes people need to bleed to learn. How long did you stay with Matt Thornton then? A um, few years. And uh, I mean, the first few years where it was in Portland, admittedly, I was kind of grindy. And I think a lot of things were still kind of being felt out. And again, I'm not dissing Matt in any way. It's just that I got a few wrecks on my neck uh, just because of the training. I think it could have probably been done better and still achieve a bit more, but it was still a growing thing at the yes. time. A long time ago, you know, so, yeah. uh, you know, on my end, I should have kept my damn hands up. <laughs> um, but I, mean, I learned a lot, but I think he probably trains. I, I haven't talked to him or dealt with him in a long time. But I think probably nowadays he probably deals with things a lot different. Um, back in the 90s, it was more of who's the toughest and only the toughest get to move on to the next thing. And that's what that was the stupid mentality I trained with. Oh, as I got to gut this out, I, you know, I'm hurt. Fuck it. I'm just going to tape myself up, ibuprofen, and keep going. Yeah. 
stupidest thing I could have ever done is start to train that way. Yeah. And nowadays my training is is more of I've grown enough to try and look at each person individually when they're learning and really reiterate like you know you, you have a day job you got to you know think about the things that you want to do and how you want to train and you don't have to grind it. Something hurts. Yeah. You know, you want to have longevity in this, not say, that was a great couple of years. I remember yeah. that time I tapped that guy, I got yeah. my blue belt, and that's it. Now, that's I, now I'm watching UFC, and that's all I do. Watching UFC, drinking beer, and wishing I could, I could have done it. So, so just tell me your jiu-jitsu journey from oh, each belt. Uh, started with, uh, again, started with judo, and then, uh, again, injuries and stuff. Then uh, Dave Minden, back in a tiny garage in southeast Portland. Uh, then uh, met Tom Overhue and Mike Chapman. Tom Overhue is a name that everyone in the jiu-jitsu world has heard of, right? He's quite well-known, quite well-known fellow. I, th- I think so. I know, yeah. um, you know, and he's got a great lot of technical stuff, too. I mean, he's got a very analytical mind something I, i'm more of like uh, i like concept things like that but he's very technical i mean yeah. you know he'll you know you ask him hey how do i get here you could say oh just go down this way he'll not only draw you a map he'll carve the wood flatten it out make the map from scratch and then give you that detailed precise thing make the wow. so he gives you a great super detailed thing which helps because it's a different kind of thinking i'm used to that whole an- analytical very thought detailed yes. process you know so i wish i had a little bit more of that whereas i i like concepts flowing movement everything uh so i mean there's a lot of different avenues you can take when you're doing this yeah 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 and then where, where did you go from there um well i met a pretty girl and I, <laughs> uh, she got a job up in washington i decided to follow her no restraining orders yet so i followed her up to washington <laughs> um and then i uh, trained with marcelo garcia or, or excuse me not mark marcelo alonzo uh up in tacoma washington um and then uh let's see i got four stripes on my blue under him actually chris howder when he first started getting with straight blast i got my blue belt under him right uh, years wow. and years ago and uh, it was fun rolling with him because he just made everybody look like silly little chumps uh, he's, he's like oh else, this guy's like magic and yeah. uh, that was re- and that was through Matt who brought him in so I moved up there and uh, trained when I could and it was with Marcelo Alonso uh, super nice guy and I thought I was kind of scrappy and he's like oh my friend I hurt my neck in a car injury and uh, you know let's roll light so i had to turn it up to like a hundred to try and keep up with his rolling light he was just mauling me i was like wow are are you fucking me come on (laughs) and uh and just super nice guy but i mean you know uh time to think is third degree or something but close to my size you know so about 170 pounds at the time or something but uh and just tenacious and just kept coming after me i was like this is cool um so it was impressive to see you know him turn it up i mean he wasn't beating me up like you know maliciously or anything like that he was just rolling that's what you do um from there came to uh minnesota and pretty much other than going to see the academy up there we moved to south minneapolis and i've been training out of the minnesota collie group and pretty much ever since i got over some injuries herniated neck uh how did you get that herniated neck let's just leave it at poor training yes uh and just and i'll just leave it at no that no one, no so. worries no worries so who so who who are you under now or who do you who do you consider your go-to guy uh, Professor Chris McCune, so <laughs> of McCune's martial arts. Yes, I uh, receive um, purple belt from Tom Overhue. 
because at the time we were kind of uh, adrift in the sea of jiu-jitsu as far as the highest ranking guy at MKG it, and uh, pretty much it was all find my own information we didn't really have a good tie-in to anybody you know, I reached out to Tom hey can you come out and so I stayed with him for a few years distance wise you know a couple of the guys uh, uh, old Johnny Dornick big John and, yeah uh, great guy Johnny Walnuts Johnny Walnuts uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, love that guy. He just looks like a mobster. Oh yeah, Uh, teamster guy. Yeah. uh, (laughs) So he started with you know going up to McEwen's and um, and what's funny is he originally I kind of avoided the place because he had the sorry Chris if you're listening to this, uh, he had the name No Rules Martial Arts. Right. And I already kind of had enough of that, you know, because I when you hear that it's at first like. Oh fuck, man! They're just gonna go in and beat the car. However, it was actually kind of cool. You know, the whole thing was there's no rules. You can't do this. There's no rule. You can't do that. So it's actually very, you know, kind of inspiring thing. Yeah, when you think about but it. Then that when way. you hear no rules right off the bat, you're like, you know. Oh god. Yeah. So uh, you know, eventually it grew into uh, McCune's martial arts, where it should be under uh, under the boss man there. So, and um, I've known him for several years now, and uh, received my great. brown and black belt under him. Oh, awesome! So, uh, well, he, he's a, like, he's a guy I want to get hold of because he's uh, what I see mm-hmm. and the people that he's connected to. I just I, I, I just love. Yeah, Johnny Dornick was one of the first guys I had a proper grappling uh, session with. Mm-hmm. We turned up for his when he was still teaching on the Friday mornings mm-hmm. at the Carly Group, and uh, he put me through the ringer a little bit, not too much, but yeah, he really helped me out. And then it was through him, and then Mike Duffy. Mike Duffy was the guy who sent me down the path. Mm-hmm. He said, "You need to do some more jujitsu." So I did that. <laughs> I'm still probably the worst blue belt in the world, but you know what? I keep trying, keep turning up, keep going for it. You yeah, know, jujitsu is not supposed to love you back. <laughs> no, uh, you don't know. She's that? a cruel mistress. She that's, is that's a cruel mistress, sure. as you said. <laughs> as you said, uh, we can't go much further without mentioning uh, somebody that you introduced, where you you connected me up to. Yeah, it's the professor herself, right, Gina Franson. What was it like meeting her for the first time? Uh, well, I met her at a, a different academy in town like years ago, although it'd be it briefly. So, I mean, there's been a little bit of contact here and there throughout the years. And then um, and at the time I was training someone and it was, uh, you know, I just had to, hey, can you come roll with this person? Because that person had talent. And, uh, you know, she came over and cool. Did, you know, and so it was nice of her to come over to do that uh, at yeah. a different gym and all that sort of stuff. And then um, it's only the last four five ish sort of years i think that uh have been dealing with her on a more regular basis i've gone over to roll with her and all that sort of stuff uh and she's fun it's they always say it's like uh chess for you yeah i love playing with her because it's like speed chess she's very technical she's very quick so then it's uh you know i just love playing technique against her and seeing all right where's she going i'm trying to out technique the technique and all that so she's very good on that uh, so I always have a blast because it's like who can get there more quickly, yeah, uh, you know, and more efficiently. And it's just uh, just check, check, check. So <laughs> maybe hell, maybe even speed checker. She moves, I move. She moves, I move. Uh, you said so. speed checkers to me. <laughs> yeah, when you said go up there, and this was after we we just worked out. You you like yeah, you know, she gives me a hard time, and I was thinking Jesus, she gives you a hard time. You you just giving me a real hard time. So uh, 
Yeah, it's crazy. Is there anyone that you'd like to train with? Oh man, everybody. Um, honestly, right now I do have I you know just uh, some injuries and stuff. Uh, I like having a weight limit because I used to roll with everybody being, you know, screw it. I just want guys my size for a while. Yes. Uh, actually, guys, girls, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, as long as their jiu-jitsu is good. I brought uh, Professor Hennett Stack out here for a seminar. Yes, I saw. Uh, totally awesome and all that. So, and that actually was one of the things we talked about is like you know any difference between guy and girl is like you know there isn't you know because unfortunately girls right now have to deal with a lot still it's a lot better than years ago but they still have to deal with a lot of macho testosterone bullshit sort of stuff yes but my take on it is you know guy girl doesn't matter jiu-jitsu is jiu-jitsu you know i had her come out because was it uh, eight time world champion shit i can learn from her yeah she, Sorry, I'm, start, I'm starting to swear now but uh no, no, so. don't worry. but you know i i can learn from someone like that and if i can't put that aside just because of the gender thing you know then i shouldn't be doing jiu-jitsu or even talking to people if i can't accept people for you know a guy girl you know, whatever they're identifying as, I don't care. As long as you're on the mat and you're doing jiu-jitsu and you're, you're treating everybody fine, we're not going to have any problems. That's it. What's the best lesson you've ever learned from jiu-jitsu? I'm still learning. I'm not quite sure, man. It's just uh, so much of this has, you know, at first you think, I want to be tough. I want to be a world champion, all this sort of thing. And maybe it's, it's me getting a little bit older, but last few years has been more about my own journey and looking, you know, at the changes that I want out of myself as far as, you know, in life, what I do, what I want to reach out to, um, and how can I be a better person. So it's forced me to kind of look at myself and kind of accept when I, I fail. Oh, I love failure in jiu-jitsu because if you think you're going to get into jiu-jitsu and, and be a rock star and not ever fail, <laughs> it's, and, and if you can't take that especially, it's not the sport for you because it's, it, you know, every day you're going to fail for something. And if you aren't, you're just surrounding yourself with people you can beat up and that's not even worth it. Yeah, it's certainly not. It's Proudio Estima was saying to me once about his win against Jacare in uh, 2011. I love uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he said it meant so much because this is a guy I'd never even scored an advantage against. Mm -hmm. He said, "Beat me." He said, "I, I had no, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I had no answers to any of the questions he posed." Mm -hmm. And he's got to still be one of the best guys in the world. You know, he was number one for a long time. You know, but mm -hmm. he's and just a wonderful human being. That's the one thing I found with, with the jujitsu. That's why I keep uh, yeah, telling everybody they should do it. Also, if you're doing other stuff and you love that, keep up because you, keep that up as well because jujitsu has a very unique way of making you just throw everything into it you know what i mean uh which is great but then you know it's you got to find the balance you know mm -hmm. it's that that is one so what's the future hold for you fabio more jujitsu i reckon <laughs> and, uh, the, the cool thing to backtrack a little bit on Sasa here saying the one of the things i like about jujitsu is it forces you to problem solve Yes. I mean, um, you know, there's a constant argument going on. There's constant puzzles that are being put out for you, and you're being put in the worst possible positions every day. Yeah. And you have to take your time and figure a way out of that. And it's going to be brutal. A lot of times you have to sit there, grind it out, and you're going to have some of the worst days possible. And then the next day you come back because some something might have clicked and you go, oh, this is where I come. Or maybe somebody points it out to you because they're mauling you all the time and said, Look, you need to put this over here and this over here, and then all of a sudden, boom, everything opens yes. up and changes your games for like maybe six months, and then somebody else gives you another problem. You're like, son of a... 
But I'm get I'm getting there at the moment. As I said, when me and you were working on it, and you were so you, you were so so graceful to gracious to give you know give, give me a few pointers, and it's the half guard. And once once my guard's passed, I'm screwballed. And as I'm getting older, I forget. So yeah, I have to be told by my coach what I'm doing while I'm doing it. And I'm at that point where I've got some strong areas in my game, but then glaringly weak in oh, yeah. others. I mean, and that's going to be, you know, through your journey, and I don't care if you're, you know, uh, whatever level black, everybody's got their things that they like and don't like and their strong suits. And, you know, yeah, there's like guys with experience, but admittedly, they like things more than the other. You know, yeah. oh, I just go, I flow, I do, I just take what they give me. You know, yeah. but they still have their favorite stuff that they like and strong exactly. areas and weak areas. Uh, you know, and it's just, <laughs> a, you know, that's why you want to train that longevity bit because, you know, it's fun. You just keep getting puzzles every day that you have to keep finding and figuring out. And sometimes those puzzles come across and hit you right upside the head repeatedly yeah. until you can find a way around them. Yeah, but, but isn't, that's a lot, isn't that life in general? That's why this is such a great sport for you. You know, you have to stay calm in those miserable situations, and <laughs> in, in, instead of just lashing out and saying, "Look, I'm just going to choke you," because you can't do that at work. No. You know, you know, for the everybody, for the ninety percent of people who go into an office, you know, I'm sorry, you're just not allowed to choke your coworkers. Even if you were allowed, <laughs> huh? wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't, oh. wouldn't it be great? Well, do you know what, Fabio? First of all, thanks for today. Oh, sure. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for your advice. And uh, thanks for lending me your gear this week. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, just thanks for being an inspiration. And I mean that. Yeah. You know, you do inspire me, man. And keep on on the manga. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. You can listen to more shows like this on MixedMartialArts.com. Mixed Martial Arts is an abrupt audio production. Today's show was produced by Luke Berry. Aww.